0: Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. Tom Nixon is with me as always. Hi, Tom.
1: Hello, Jay. What's new?
0: Um, Not too much. Uh, Just, you know, we're up in the midst of ski season here in, in Northern Michigan. So we're, we're, we're out at the Hills, uh, four or five days a week. Cause our kids are in the ski program and, um, it's fun, but it, you know, it's cold too, right? I, yesterday, yesterday was Sunday. We we're recording on a Monday and they're, they do racing on Sundays and it's like five hours outside, uh, in Traverse city, Michigan in the freezing cold. So it's, it's good. The kids love it. I enjoy it too. I just am too old to be standing outside for that long.
1: Yeah. Well, see up there though, you're able to make the best of a bad situation, which you have all of this winter sport at your disposal. And where I am, it's just kind of cold gray and not a ton to do.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I love that aspect of it. It's just, you know, pile on COVID on top and you can't go in the lodge to warm up. Yeah, so that's the right. problem right now. But, uh, but Hey, yeah. you know, we're <laughs> real complaints here <laughs> Yeah, <Right. laughs> can't wor- can't get warm. I mean, it sounds pretty pathetic, but, uh, yeah. but in any event, that's top of mind for me right now. Yeah. Um, so speaking of uh doing things, uh, I wanted to ask you a question which will help maybe frame our, our topic today. I know from personal experience there's there's something you hate, which is uh doing or folding laundry. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I can't even bring myself to putting away the laundry that my wife
0: has already <laughs> done and folded for me.
1: I just hate it. I don't know what it is.
0: Right, right. Yep. Yeah. Um and uh and so I wanted to ask you though, so if you were posed with the choice of doing laundry or attending a networking event where you know knew no one what would what would you rather do (laughs)
1: um i'd probably stay home put on some music and do laundry yeah
0: (laughs) yeah no i know i am with you on that too because i that the idea of that is uh you know i think we're both we've just talked about before, we we definitely register as introverts, um, despite you know wanting to talk on our podcast every week and put put our voice out there and whatnot. But the idea of being in large crowds and making small talk um, with strangers is not appealing to me either. So, yeah. um, well,
1: and I would say I do love a good party. In when you take some of these personality assessments, I know a lot of the questions frame it in: w- Would you rather be at a big party where you don't know anyone and you get to meet new people? Or at a small group of close confidants in like that's when I kind of come out of my shell for sure as being a natural introvert because I don't know, there's already comfort there or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Right. I mean I, I guess I I put myself the same way. I don't I'm not a I'm not a homebody by any means, but um if I'm with people I know and and you know sort of already have a rapport established, it's much easier for me to engage and and not want to. I think you always say hide behind the punch bowl, so I'm going to steal <laughs> yeah. that line, right? Or <laughs> hide behind the coat
1: rack. But if you yeah. hide behind the punch bowl, you can at least get a drink.
0: Yeah, there you go. That's true. It's better, more strategic hiding place. Yeah. Um, so that I guess I wanted to just uh, run down that line of thinking just to tee up our topic today and our our working title for this episode is. Introversion as an advantage for business development, um, because I think it's, you know, I think this is changing. There's been a lot of, you know, more talk in the last decade, say, about introversion and even the the benefits of introversion for things like, you know, advancement in your career or even, you know, things like um, networking and and business development. It, it used to be seen as something that was like a, a disadvantage, but I think not only is it neutral, but there are certainly some advantages to it. And I, I want to Talk to you about that, Tom, today. Um, so th- this issue of um, business development and um, marketing has certainly changed. I think that's one of the things that we need to kind of lay some foundation around, which is you know the world has certainly changed, as we all know, due to COVID, and certainly we don't have access to some of the same traditional business development venues and activities like networking events and and other things that we used to have, but. Um, Let's just talk for a minute about maybe some of the ways the world has changed due to COVID and how that might impact the introversion, extroversion kind of distinction between people and and how we approach business development. you have any thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, the one you mentioned and we joked about was the networking event. And so those just really aren't happening. Another one closely related is this concept. You use this expression a lot, the winning it in the room Concept so that to me is like the extroverts' playground. Is they can go, they can wing it, they can kind of command the authority in the room. They're just natural at doing that. They have this effervescent personality. Um, I'm thinking of like type A or the uh, the high D in the disc profile. If anyone's familiar with that, those people are great in those types of environments. In whereas an introvert, I'm not as comfortable with that. I I think I can make a good persuasive argument in writing, but doing it in person, verbally where I'm everyone's looking at me, you know, Mm -hmm. as an introvert, you know, that feeling, right? Everyone's looking at me. (laughs) Right. So, so I think that's another one. Um, uh, The other one is then just taking someone one-on-one to a coffee or a drink. And depending on who that person is, that sometimes gives me, you know, a little bit of the willies, believe it or not. Yeah. That's not a group setting. So all of these things are rendered at least temporarily neutered I'm wondering how much this changes permanently because, you know, the concept of me, you know, leaving it, stopping what I'm doing at work at 11 to get across town to a 12 o'clock lunch and then to get back to my office at two doesn't seem to make any logical sense anymore.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I think Tom, that also, you know, we think we think oftentimes about, well, things will get back to normal and and you know, we'll we'll get back to business development. But you know, it really it does to use the cliche, it does take two to tango. And right. and despite our desires as, you know, professionals who want to get out and and drum up new business, um, there is someone on the other side of the, the equation. And are our clients really ever gonna to want to get back to that same thing you described? Yeah, which is getting in the car, coming to your office. And, um, you know, having a consultation with you when, you know, they know people are, think about it, people are buying houses over the internet sight unseen. So if they're not, if they're unable or unwilling to attend an open house to check out a house, um, are they really going to come meet with a lawyer at their office when, you know, what they want to be able to do is to be more in control of the buying process and, you know, do their due diligence in, digital domains and and check people out and winnow things, winnow down options and and vet, you know, who they're considering um through other channels as opposed to, you know, doing the face-to-face stuff that that you know, I think back in the day, lawyers had more control in that buying process. I mean, they could mm-hmm. essentially demand that someone come to their office. Um, and that was just the norm, I guess. Maybe it wasn't a demand, but it was the, it was sort of the cultural or social norm within uh, how do, how you hire a lawyer. And that's just changed dramatically. And and so all that I think is to say that the circumstances have shifted to the point and, and to your point, Tom, some of this is certainly gonna become structural change as opposed to cyclical change um, where, Maybe, you know, things have shifted more in the favor of the types of skill sets, um, hard and soft skills that favor introverts over extroverts.
1: That's exactly where I was going, is that if the, the venues are changing, the experience is changing, and the process is changing, then the skill sets certainly will. So going back to your example, like, you know, you would always, certain firms would want to invite prospects and clients to their office because that was an experience, right? They walk into the lobby, it's beautiful. Right. So already you've got the sense that you're in this this really sophisticated place and it has all the trappings of, you know, established professionals who, you know, are very smart and get paid premium uh, fees because of their smarts and expertise. And then you have somebody greeting them. Right. And that's a, that's a personal experience. Mm-hmm. And they're putting they're giving you a drink, you know, water or coffee. They're showing you to this beautifully appointed corporate um conference room. It's just, a, it, that is all part of the experience, right? And then the attorney walks in again to win it in the room, the skill sets that are going to be completely. And I think this is where I kind of feel like introverts are having our moment. Finally, <laughs> is that I think the skill sets are going to have to map to the new process and the process, like you suggested, might be much more digital, might be happening in to greater degree without the person in the room to win it. Um, and it's things like writing. And so one thing I determined or figured out because I, once I realized that I was an introvert, I started studying introversion because I wanted to know why am I like this and how do I get over it? And one of the things I learned, and this is not, I hope this doesn't sound boastful, but as an introvert, i I should be more humble. Um, <laughs> is I learned that, and this isn't true, you know, in entirety, but in part, and typically, an introversion is a creative person. And people have always told me I'm a creative person. I'm a musician, and I write. And you know, I think you're a very creative person, and you're an introvert. And that creativity and the introversion are are oftentimes married to each other. My creativity comes through the form of expressing my thoughts in written word. And so now I have potentially, I have this new process and this new venue for developing business or winning influence that naturally maps to what I do well. So that's the first thing I see is that in this new paradigm, you'll probably have to be a really good writer or find, and most attorneys are, that's the good news, right? Even the, especially the introverts because they have that creativity gene that maps with the introversion gene.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's, it just boils down to, all right, in, you know, in, in the past, we used to think of business development as a, as a, a synchronous communication, right? There's mm-hmm. two people, whether it be on the phone or um, in person having a conversation. Um, today, it's much more thinking about how can you effectively engage in asynchronous communication. So knowing that your your client doesn't necessarily want to be engaged in a sy- synchronous conversation with you, um, how do you put your ideas out there such that they can find those ideas and and consume your content, whether that be you know your audio content, written content, video content, or otherwise, that allows them to have essentially you know that asynchronous um, conversation with you at their own pace, on their own terms and and when they need it, sort of on demand. And the attorneys who can who can exercise that skill set and do it effectively, um, such that they're building a body of work that makes them visible in the digital marketplace of ideas is going to be at a significant advantage, and that's not to say that extroverts can't do that well. Um, but I think to your point, Tom, um, those of us who are introverts have been have been uh, building that skill set for for quite a while. Um, we would, you know, we would always opt to write the article versus attend the networking event in the first place. So All we've right. exercised that muscle over time, and and so, like you said. It, Introverts might be having a moment here.
1: Yeah. And like you said, extrovert, it doesn't mean extroverts are going to be left out. But just to further go down that path, extroverts typically, and again, this is not a hard rule, but they tend to be what's known as a high D I mentioned in the disc profile, right? And um, I is what's known as a high C. So to, without boring people with the whole disc analysis, high Ds are the type of person that the minute you start explaining how something works, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just get to the, yeah. yeah. How does mm-hmm. it end? right? They have no patience for process systems, you know, arguments, they just they're going to make a decision right away. Whereas a high C, I like to overanalyze things, as you well know, <laughs> you've been the victim of some of my overanalysis. Um, I like to think things through and I like to be very cautious. And then when I make a decision, it's because I've thought through all of the processes and I've maybe even articulated all of the potential outcomes. And again, that's just a natural ability for me, which lends itself to thought leadership writing and thought leadership content and all of the stuff that you said, because I'm out there making arguments, let's say, or or trying to persuade people every day, even if I don't know who's listening. You know, this podcast is a perfect example. I have no idea who's going to listen to this. I write an article, I put it on our blog, or I get something out on LinkedIn. I'm just trying to help people through my thought leadership content. And it's easy for me, whereas I think that high D that type A personality it would sometimes struggle to have the patience to sit down and write a 2000 word article on top of everything else they have going on in a busy attorney's life
0: yeah right agreed um so you know if if we think that this this idea of creating more thought leadership content is 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 the way that we're moving in terms of how marketing and business development done is done and and it's essentially mapping to the preferences of our clients and in, in terms of giving them options, providing them with choices, helping them to understand what solutions are available out there then then you know certainly we'll see probably more that'll only grow in importance as we move forward. Um, but you know marketing that sort of marketing takes you so far. you can have you know uh, quite a bit of asynchronous communication, but at some point, you're going to have to meet the client, right? They're going to, Oh no, it, no. In, yeah, in an ideal scenario, you know, you do most of your reinforcement of your expertise through your marketing, but you're going to, you're going to ultimately have to have that conversation and perhaps, you know, close the deal. Uh, again, reinforce the, your client's intent. Um, so with that said, I think, you know, we still get down to the situation where I think particularly for introverts, even that, you know, one-on-one conversation can be, Uncomfortable or nerve-wracking, or whatever the case might be, and and I thought maybe we could just talk about a few tips to help smooth out the edges of those conversations to make them easier for those who might be apprehensive about engaging in in such a discussion. And the one thing before James, oh, go before ahead, Tom. Do
1: that could I just because there's one step that I think it's, it's worth pointing out. It's a yeah. stat, a stat actually that you reference a lot, which is the good news about when you finally get to the room. I feel like the client is. Two thirds of the way there towards already deciding to hire you because of all of these arguments that you've made in your past and you've made them publicly and they've stumbled upon your thought leadership. We hear, you know, we get inbound inquiries all the time. I've been listening to your podcast for you know two years, and I'm thinking you're just contacting us now. No, um, so, but so they they're they're already conditioned to trust you, believe you. Uh, consider you a thought leader. You're probably down to the point now, where just, can you, do you have the expertise to solve this particular matter and what's it going to cost potentially? So that's the good news. What is the, the Gartner research that, that says people are.
0: Yeah, that, 60% of the way through the buying process before they ever reach out to a, and this is relates to sophi- sophisticated professional services, which will include legal services, uh, 60% of the way through the buying process before they ever reach out to a service provider. Right. Um, to bring them into the conversation.
1: And so they're at least 60% of the way through. And then if they're inviting you to that conversation, that is going to make our palms sweaty here in a minute. Um, <laughs> chances are you're on the short list and maybe you're the only one on the list. So anyways, just wanted to point that out. All right, so put us back in the room in front of the scary prospect, Jay.
0: Yeah. So, all right. You're, you're, you're there, even if it's on the phone, you don't necessarily have to be in the room, whatever it is. I mean, it's, 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 a diff, it can be a difficult conversation for many people, which is, you know, how do you, how do you essentially ask for the sale? How do you, how do you go from interested to, you know, deal closed and that, you know, I think that at least if I look back at my own experience and actions, it's when I'm Feeling sort of angst about that conversation when I tend to, you know, dive in, talk too much, dominate the conversation, um, not come up for air. And typically the conversation doesn't go all that well. So, I mean, I, I definitely have this is something I've tried to work on. Um, and one of the things that was a bit of a breakthrough for me, um, even though I'm not perfect at executing it was, you know, a tip from a, a classic book, almost hundred years old, um, Dale Carnegie's uh, how to, how do you, what is it again? It's how to uh, win, friends and, how to win friends and influence people. Yes. Thank you. Um, and it doesn't
1: surprise me that
0: an introvert would forget that title. By yes, the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but, but he, there's a, there's a, um, part of his book that I I like to recall, which he writes, Carnegie writes, when, when trying to essentially win friends and influence people, ask questions the other people will enjoy answering. So mm-hmm. I think what this boils down to is you don't need to be in the room pitching your services. What you need to be doing if, ideally is asking lots of great questions. Um, and I think that's something that people can... Even introverts can get comfortable with the idea of doing so. Rather than you know pitching your pitching your wares, um, asking questions like "What challenges are you facing in your business right now?" You know, simple, open-ended type questions that um, can get the conversation started. And frankly, people like talking about themselves and their business or whatever their affairs might be. And the more questions you ask the more of a positive impression they'll have of you when you leave that conversation, because they're going to be talking about themselves and you're going to act like, and, and hopefully you genuinely, genuinely will be interested in what they have to say. So great questions, active listening, follow up, and you're going to have a successful conversation in that context.
1: Yeah, the, the old uh, people will forget what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel, something along those lines. Yep. I think that's true. Um, if you recall, we had early on in this podcast, probably in the first 10 episodes or so, we had a sales trainer from Sandler Sales Training, Eric Meyer. And if he were here, he would say exactly what you're suggesting is the proven methodology, which is to ask, just keep asking questions. You'll never run out of questions to ask. And even when they answer the question and they give you a decent answer, you could say even a follow. Well, geez how'd you deal with that? And then they'll talk about it and they'll talk about the pain they overcame. And geez, that happened a lot. You can just let the client continue to talk. And I think introverts are good at letting other people talk. Right. And and so as again, I studying my curse of introversion. What, why do I have this and how do I get rid of it? Uh, Another discovery I made is that I can't remember where I read this, but they pointed out that if you're in a, like a boardroom meeting, um, And there's 10 people around a table. The introvert's the one that's not saying anything. It doesn't mean because they don't have an idea. And a lot of times people mistake that for this person's not interested or they um, don't have an opinion or they just don't care. And so I had to be taught early on to be what what they describe as an active listener, which is to show in some ways, either verbally or non-verbally, that I'm really engaged in what introverts tend to do. And what's funny is you're doing it now, Jay, as an introvert is when somebody's talking, they will nod their head. Yes. And so you can spot an introvert as the quiet one who's nodding. Yes. Now, why is that good? I is because, Oh, and by the way, they say when you find you, introverts will have to be called on, they won't raise their hand or interject. But once you call on one, this person says, this is not me claiming this, is that they'll have a very well thought out answer and an approach to move the conversation forward because they've been listening, they've been active listeners that entire time. They are processing, going back to being the high C in the disk profile, and they are already formulating a system to solve a problem. So that's the good news again, going back to if you're in the room, your natural skill set to be a listener. And to ask questions lends itself to teeing up a prospect to A, feeling good about themselves, but B, feeling like they're being attended to. And the last thing I'll say before I, I turn it over to you is the opposite of this. And if you've ever been in a position, maybe going to buy a car, say, and the person is just constantly high pressure, here's the sales pitch, here's the cost, what do I need to do to get you into this car today? Eric Meyer, the sales, Sa- Sandler sales trainer would say, you're, what you're doing is you're taking away the prospect's okayness. In the minute they don't feel okay in this, you know, prospect client dance, or pro- yeah, uh, prospect, you know, business development person yeah. dance, they've already tuned out. So the minute you do that, it, that's the good news again for introverts: is we will probably never take away somebody's okayness unless we just feel so uncomfortable that we have to keep pitching and pitching and pitching
0: yeah no, we've i've I've been in that situation on the receiving end of it, and perhaps I've been a, a culprit in terms of you know talking too much that has has squeezed out all the space in the room. Um, but it's it's definitely the case where you know, I think I think back to experiences where I'm having conversations with with people who i'm I'm considering hiring and and being the the person who is is trying to be hired. Definitely, that active listening and asking lots of follow-up questions—I think—is what allows people to feel like they're being heard and respected in the conversation. And and even if it doesn't, you know, even if that particular scenario doesn't result in an engagement, it's almost certain that that person's going to walk away with a positive impression about you and either talk you up to someone else or hire you in the future when when they might be ready. As opposed to someone who's putting on the high-pressure, hard sell. So. So good news for introverts, I guess. Yeah. The other thing I was going
1: to say is, you know, if you, Sandler would tell you, again, not everyone needs to run out and go do Sandler sales training, although I would recommend it if this is in a version of yours, is eventually, if you do this well enough and you do it long enough, you stay committed to keeping your mouth shut and asking good questions and, and authentically caring about the person's pain point, they will eventually get to the point where they're going to tell you exactly how they want to hire you for what service and roughly at what budget. so you're taking all of this fear that you put on yourself, which is, I got to figure out how much money they have. I got to figure out how to pitch my services so that they want to hire me. And I got to make sure that I'm solving their problem. All of that pressure gets taken on by the prospect because there's a methodology to having them just share with what their pain point is, how they tried to solve it in the past, their frustrations, why it hasn't been solved to this day, how big of a pain this is causing them emotionally and financially to the point well a lot of times they'll say well what would it take for me to hire you jay to to make this go away And yeah. an introvert loves to hear that right
0: yep absolutely no it's good stuff um i i think uh i think this will be an in, increasing part of the conversation and i mean i think there's a the good thing is there's a lot of books out there um susan kane's book um quiet's a great book if you want to Sort of study the ins and outs of and, and distinctions between extroversion and introversion and and lots of materials. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this conversation. It was it was a good issue to explore, at least for me. I think personally, and and hopefully for our listeners as well.
1: Yeah, and I think I could maybe maybe you could add just some one or two points onto this. Is so, what would our next steps be if you're the introvert who decides, okay, I could get into this new this brave new world of business development if, if it matches to my strengths. So the first thing I would do is I would tell people to join the digital cocktail party because LinkedIn is not nearly as scary as the cocktail party where you don't know anyone and everyone's looking at you and they're all talking about you behind your back, which isn't true, but LinkedIn is a great way to network. It is the only way to network right now, really. Um, so um definitely get active, understand the platform, listen to our podcast where we've talked through people who went from not active at all to in 30 days, they were getting tens of thousands of interactions. So that's one. And then two is I would start working on a content strategy that maps to whatever your unique strengths are, because that making these arguments asynchronously, as you said, before a client is even knows about you, that this may be the way that a prospect discovers you is through this Whatever your thought leadership content strategy is going to be. If you're an introvert, it's probably the written word. There's things like podcasting where you don't have to be in front of a room full of people, and it's not scary. But figure out what skills you have that play into this new roadmap, because I think you're right, Jay. We're going to want to get back to normal. I don't think everything's just going to go back to the old way. Some of the stuff is just here to stay, and it's permanent.
0: So hey, yeah. what would
1: you, would you add? Anything? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would the only thing I would add Tom I, is I, I and I was really just thinking of this as you were speaking but you know to make those things easier like being coming effective on LinkedIn and and writing content that kind of thing would be getting back to the this issue that we talk about quite often which is having a niche because mm-hmm. when when I think about that you know and I think about uh, uh, for an introvert having a niche is important because for the same reason that we enjoy the small intimate gathering with friends more than we enjoy the big networking um, event with complete strangers is that by immersing yourself in a niche, whether that be you know a, a specific industry or or um, small subset of industries, you actually can get to know the people in that industry in that niche area of focus, um, which makes the, those interactions a lot easier. So when you're attending those events, you know you're bumping into the same people um, over and over, and I think that will help when it comes to you know overcoming some of the aversion to the the face to face marketing.
1: Yeah, do you remember Scott Becker when he was a guest on our podcast? He he used, I don't think he was framing this in the context of him being an introvert, but maybe he is. But he painted the scenario of being at like a backyard summer barbecue and somebody asks you what you do. Mm -hmm. And when you're a generalist, when you get asked that question, you think, oh my God, I might have a prospect here. So you start going into pitch mode um, and everyone's a potential client. So anyone asks you what you do, you start pitching and then they're like, oh God, get me away from this guy. But when you have a very narrow focused niche somebody says what you do you could just say what you do because you only do it for a small segment of the population and it's probably not this guy so he's not Mm going to feel like he's or she is being pressured into a sale and if they happen to be in that niche they're going to be like oh really interesting i happen to be an attorney tell me what you do that Mm -hmm. sort of thing so um this again it that niche is going to help you get away from the feeling that you constantly have to pitch to all people at all times
0: yep exactly well (laughs) Have we, uh, have we covered it, Tom?
1: Uh, yeah, I got some laundry to do.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cause
1: I'm not going outside. No better.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I'm going to do some writing and some LinkedIn and, uh, maybe a little laundry.
0: Very good. Well, um, cool. Well, I, you know, let's do something that we don't do enough of here as we wrap up because maybe it's because of the introversion, but, um, I, I just say that, you know, if you're, I know we've had, uh, quite a few new listeners joining us just from kind of Hearing from people on LinkedIn and otherwise, um, if you get if you're enjoying the show. Um- Please subscribe, uh, leave us a review on, on Apple um, and tell a friend if you would. Uh, we love hearing your feedback on LinkedIn. So, so please keep it up. Uh, don't be afraid to suggest a topic for a future episode or, or just ask a question that's always helpful for us to be able to understand what kind of content to plan for this podcast. So um, we really appreciate you listening and we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks everybody. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.